Hey, I'm Orlando Jones, and I just want you to know that the Moana Nui podcast will be starting soon. Stay tuned, yo. I'm Veronica Taylor, and from myself and Ash Ketchum, I just want to say, Moana Nui, I choose you! Aloha my Kako, everyone. Welcome to the Moana Nui podcast. It is great to be with all of you this evening. Mm-hmm. This here, June 29th. How the heck did we get through half of 2023 already? But here we are. Um, <laughs> and Dana and I are really happy to be together with you guys yes. tonight because lately it seems... Uh, our schedules have been um, a little bit out of alignment, so it's good to, to be back together again. Um, my name is Moana. For those who are tuning in for the first time, I am the host and founder of the podcast. I'm also a children's book author uh, for the Adventures of Nakoa and Nohea series, um, uh, editor for the Wildcard Chronicles uh, series here at Burning Spear Comics, and an advocate and champion for our AANHPI and all peoples of color communities. Um, and as always, well, maybe not as always, but now, today, <laughs> I'm happy to be like joined again by my sis, Dana, and I'll let her introduce yourself so that you can know her too, if you don't already. All right. Aloha, everyone. Thank you for tuning in tonight. Uh, If you tuned in earlier, you enjoyed some great interviews um, that we had at Momocon uh, with our guest that was featured in tonight's episode with uh, Colleen O'Shaughnessy. We had Michaela Jill Murphy, who's best known as Jesse Flowers Taw from Avatar The Last Airbender and um, Aquarius Taught Me uh, that we featured on our seven o'clock um, Eastern slot. So if you missed it, don't worry. Uh, check us out on our YouTube channel to watch that episode and hear those interviews um, that we had at MomoCon. But of course, uh, to let you know about myself, I am the other half of the Moana Nui podcast. I am a um, photographer, event planner, voice actor, and a whole lot more. And of course, you know, I have to hang it back over to the yin to my yang, the Renaissance woman of our time, the woman who is running 45 miles per hour while still trying to do 20 different things. I'm going to hand it over to my sis, the lovely, the beautiful Moana. Thank you, Dana. Um, And before we get started and introduce our wonderful guest tonight, I wanted to acknowledge and really announce that um, Dana and I on the Moana Nui podcast, we now officially have our sponsor. um, It's called Papa Ola Lokahi, and it is an organization in Hawaii who is focused on improving um, Native Hawaiian health and outcomes. Uh, with particular focus on culture, mental health, and all of the important issues that are affecting our community. So going forward, you, you'll see some um, changes and adjustments in our content. Um, I think you guys are really going to enjoy it, especially for those who yes. either have been to the islands or have wanted to go. Um, you'll get to to see some of the real life 
um, issues and conversations that are ongoing in the island. So beyond like the typical commercial pitch, like trying to get you to come, um, we'll share with you all um, a lot about our community, what makes us special and the ongoing challenges that we do face. So shout out to the Papa Ola Lokahi family um, and we'll continue to um, share their message and um, highlight their partnerships as we go forward. So mahalo to them for supporting our show and helping us to keep this platform going um, and expand the wonderful content that we get to offer with our community. Yes. All righty. So tonight we have a very special guest that I had the pleasure of meeting in person at Kauai Comic Con um, earlier this year. I think it was in April. Um, most people know him from Comic Book Men. Um, and so maybe he doesn't need an introduction, but I feel I love giving everybody their flowers, their lay, their kudos. Oh. So I'm going to read his impressive bio and then i'm gonna bring him on and you all can get to get to know him a little bit more so our guest tonight is ming chen uh, he entered the world of podcasting in 2007 as one of the architects behind kevin smith's smodcast network his first responsibilities included all the technical aspects of the network as well as design maintenance and marketing of their online presence and as their network grew and more shows were added ming was asked to create and co-host podcasts of his own some of which you guys if you, i know for those who are watching from his channels are surely familiar with them um, but the award-winning i sell comics the Smodco Morning Show. Lots of S's. We need to hear about what's the <laughs> behind that. <laughs> the Secret Stash, which is the official Comic Book Men companion podcast. And he can also be heard as an occasional guest on the massively popular Tell Him Steve Dave podcast. Um, in 2011, Ming uh, joined the AMC uh, hit show Comic Book Men along with a shared universe co-founder, Michael Zap, Zapich. Sorry, Michael. Ming's going to show up. I, sh I should have asked that question before he came on. <laughs> I want to make sure I'm pronouncing the names correctly. But based out of Kevin Smith's comic book store, Jay and Silent Bob's Secret Stash in Red Bank, New Jersey, the show focuses on amazing comics and vintage toys and the stories behind them. It's the first TV show to use podcasting as part of its narrative. And based on the popularity of the show, Ming became a featured, a frequent featured guest at numerous conventions around the world, um, to include New York Comic Con, Comic Con Palooza in Houston, Walker Stalker Con, Heroes and Villains Fan Fest, Edinburgh Comic Con, Calgary Comic Con, Entertainment Expo, C2E2 in Chicago, and so much more. Um, and it was at these conventions where Ming's podcast um, attracted his as um, his listeners and started to approach him for advice on starting their own shows. Um, and that became the genesis behind a shared universe podcast studio, which we'll be talking about tonight. So with that said, let us bring on Ming to the show. Aloha, Ming. Welcome. Aloha. Aloha, guys. How are you? Doing good. Doing well. Thank you so much for uh, making time in your schedule uh, to be with us here on the show. I know we have a lot of folks who are looking forward to this episode, uh, and so we're really excited to have you. It's uh, many months in the making, my friend. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I literally think we scheduled this uh, 
when we were at Kauai Comic Con way back in uh, in the beginning of April. And, yes, um, yes. You know, I, I live my life, uh, you know, as Vin Diesel says, a quarter mile at a time. That's right. right? And so I was like, uh, you know, when do you want to do this? June 29th. It's like that. that that's forever from now. <laughs> and now here it is. So, um, yes, very honored to be here with you guys. Yes, yes. Yeah, we totally get it, too. I mean, and the only reason why it was like June, because I was like, we're already booked up for, you know, like, love it. May, <laughs> love it. And, you know, even better, uh, you know, your intro and all the people you interviewed, uh, Mamukan, uh, all my favorite people. Um, I, I party with Michaela Murphy. Uh, Veronica oh, Taylor. He is so awesome. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I last saw Orlando Jones at a con in L.A. And, you know, what a great guy. I was like, hey. Can we joke about that? That you know, uh, I think he was in a movie called Double Team, or oh yes, uh, with uh, Eddie Griffin, or Double Team, yes, or something yes. like that. And you start busting out lines. So yeah, this is why I go to conventions so I can geek out with these people that yes. uh, I've seen on movies and TV for sure. Exactly, I feel I love, you on that. <laughs> I love Orlando Jones. Like we got to talk to him at Blurred Con last year, and he was yes. he's so amazing, so down to earth, and like generous with his time. Yes. I think we were supposed to have like 10 minutes and we sat with him for almost half an hour. So yeah, by the way, I don't know why it took me this long, but I, I, I learned the meaning of the word blurred. Like I thought it was like otaku. I thought it was like an anime term. And I was like, yeah. wait, what blurred black nerd. So yes. cool. I, I don't know why it took me that long to realize that, but um, well, better late than never, I guess. So I love it. I love it though. I love it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> It is a great con. Um, we should get you. We should get you there too. Let's talk I to would, you. It would be an honor <laughs> to be at BlurredCon. I didn't even know that. Where? When? When? And when? And where is BlurredCon? So Blurred is here in DC, um, mm -hmm. and it's next month, right, Dana? Yes, it's wow. actually next weekend. <laughs> is it next weekend already? Oh my god! Oh, wow. Okay, maybe maybe yeah. not this year, but <laughs> oh, uh, if you would put in a good word for me, I would love to be there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We'd love to. What's up, Tony? Um, Bob Corbeil and Ryan Robinson in the comments. Guys, if you're here, feel free to engage. Um, drop some. If you have questions, feel free to ask them. We have a bunch, but, you know, we definitely want to make sure our audience is included in this conversation as well. Yes, Tony, we are back together again. I, I know. <laughs> We're trying to improve those statistics. Those are the most important statistics. <laughs> <laughs> all righty well, behind the scenes making things happen one is making stuff happen i'm making stuff happen and yes. we eventually meet in the middle <laughs> that's right it's all for the greatness of the show you guys won't see it for a while yeah. but it, yeah it's we're lining up some really amazing things for this podcast so it's great mm -hmm. all right but it's not about us we we, we here to talk about ming so yes. um I mean, one of the first questions we love to ask our guests when, especially the first time they come on is, um, we like to start with the Pico or your origin story. Tell us a little bit about yourself and something special about your hometown where you're from. And I know, I think with you, you've been to a bunch of different places. So would love to learn a little more about that. Wow. Um, geez, where do I start? Um, <laughs> I guess most people know me from Comic Book Men, the AMC TV show that ran for seven seasons between uh, 2012 and 2018. Uh, some people may have listened to some of our podcasts that we started a little bit before then. Uh, other people might know me as just a frequent collaborator with a uh, filmmaker, podcaster, director, Kevin Smith. 
Um, and then I guess the, the other people would know me as a guy who just goes to a million comic book conventions every year. Uh, but I, I mean, I guess I would describe myself as just a nerd looking for a home. Right. Um, when I was younger, uh, you know, I was into, uh, you know, the X-Men and comic books and, uh, Batman and, uh, toys, collect a lot of toys. And, um, back when I was uh, back, not that long ago, even, um, you know, being a nerd, wasn't that cool. Uh, it was very isolating. Um, if you try to talk about the X-Men or, uh, you know, uh, vibranium or the force with people, you would get blank stares back. And, um, I always hated that because I knew all the stuff that I liked was really, really cool. And I was just trying to tell everybody else how cool it was and nobody was listening to me at the time. So, uh, you know, eventually you find the people that also understand you. Um, sometimes it takes a little bit of work, but, uh, I'm in high school many years ago, out of a class of 400 people, I found the two guys uh, who understood me. So, uh, you know, I, I, would, I would go to their houses every day after school. We'd play Nintendo. We'd play role-playing games. Uh, we would watch James Cameron's movies over and over again. And uh, and those were the two guys who would go to um, what was then, you know, our version of Comic-Cons, which uh, were church basements, VFW halls. And uh, sometimes uh, our local mall would put on like a little Comic-Con every couple months. And uh, yeah, it, it was, it was cool, but very isolating. Um, not, yeah, it's just, you know, we, we had this whole universe that we discovered that we wanted to uh, tell everybody about and no one was listening and no one was, was willing to listen just, uh, you know, just cause it wasn't cool. So, uh, but yeah, kind of fast forward to now. Um, uh, I'm glad I didn't listen to the people, the people who thought they knew better, who told me comic books were for kids that uh, playing video games and loving pop culture was going to get me nowhere in life, and uh, I'm glad I, I I'm glad I stuck to what I loved, and uh, yeah, ended up kind of working out. So, um, yeah, I guess I'm most well known for being a nerd. Really, uh, I don't, uh, you know, unlike Moana, I don't write, uh, not yet, anyways. Um, uh, I can't draw, uh, you know, really, you know, talent wise, I don't really have too many. But I'm 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 known for being a nerd, so I guess that worked out. That's um, a talent. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, and then along the way, I discovered the love of podcasting. Uh, um, a a a love ingrained to me, uh, shown to me by by Kevin Smith, who is one of the top cop podcasters out podcasters out there, and one of the guys who has figured out how to make money doing this. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, that that's something I I fell madly in love with. Uh, luckily, the, that was something that the rest of the world did want to do. So um, that's something that I learned very early on that I'm, uh, I love that I'm passing on to other people right now via a, a trio of podcast studios that I've built in the, in the New, Jersey, New Jersey area uh, where uh, we teach people how to launch and record podcasts, a uh, place that we called a shared universe podcast studio. Uh, the meeting behind that name is twofold. Uh, one, as you guys know, in the comic book universes, the heroes and villains share their universes constantly. Um, it's one of the best things about comics. Uh, you know, Batman, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles might have to go to Gotham to help out Batman in Gotham City. <laughs> um, you know, Muhammad Ali might get kidnapped along with Superman by aliens and they, they're forced to fight against each other. You know, things like that is pretty amazing. And uh, uh, as we know now, um, you know, the multiverses and, and, 
the comic book movies that everyone has watched and loves now, you know, the, the, the universes are shared all the time. Uh, the other meaning is, uh, you know, all the podcasters that come in and use our space, they're from everywhere, real estate, sports, geeks, um, you know, car enthusiasts, and they all share their universes in our space. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, hometowns, though, I moved around a lot when I was a kid. I think I I did a count on how many places I've lived uh, with somebody else the other day. I think I'm up to 10 or 12. Okay. So, But I, I grew up mainly in the Midwest, uh, Michigan, Indiana, and uh, ended up going to school, University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. Uh, my parents still live there. And, uh, yeah, it was these Midwestern towns where I learned to be a geek. Um, the, the, you know, the one or two comic book shops that did eventually open up, I was there constantly. And, um, yeah, there was one place in particular when I was in college that opened up, uh, I'll give them a shout out, a place called Volta Midnight Comics, which started out as a little one floor, hundred square foot space and has grown to uh, a trio of Eisner award winning comic book shops. So they were all, they were also guys that were kind of like, Hey, you can't, you're never going to get anywhere selling comics for a living. And now they're, they're, they're highly successful at it. So, um, yeah, my, the towns I grew up in, uh, good places eventually to be a geek. So, you know, we, we, we had one store that had, uh, that, that sold 20 sided dice and D and D modules. So yeah, these are the places I hung out in and these are, uh, the people I gravitated toward, um, which sounds funny now, you know, now you can go to any comic book convention, uh, I mean, there are whole conventions dedicated to tabletop gaming. It's great, right? So, um, yeah. Uh, but, you know, long story short, to anybody listening out there, uh, you know, follow what you love. It will probably work out for you, even if if it's not cool yet. Yes. Yes, I, I agree with that message. Ming for president. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. So we got a couple questions go from the audience. Um do you feel like the comic book scene, the comic con scene has changed? Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, definitely from when, when we were going, um, I don't know about you guys, but yeah, they were, they were small, very niche when I started going, you know, if you got a hundred people to go to your con in the eighties and nineties, uh, you were doing something right. Um, yeah. I mean, now you, you walk into conventions, even the smaller conventions are three day, three day affairs, take up entire convention centers, and uh, they feature multiple celebrity guests, hundreds of vendors, hundreds, you know, um, you know panels throughout the whole weekend. Um, artists of note, you know, artists that have actually worked on Marvel, DC, you know, Image, IDW. Uh, yeah, it's definitely grown. Um, I, I, I love it, although it's kind of when we were doing it back in the day, uh, you know, it was for fun, right? You know, we were, we were doing it out of the love and fun. Now, you know, you look at some of some of the ones and you can kind of tell they're doing it. Uh, it's a business. It's a business. Yeah, that's a, it's a multi-million dollar business that generates, uh, you know, many thousands of dollars, not just for the convention, but for the city that they're held in now. So uh, it's become major industries. Um, if you like it, you know, like San Diego is probably the biggest example. I think they said they make like 40 percent of their their revenue in yeah. that one week during yeah. San Diego Comic Con. Yeah. Um, I think things like Dragon Con in Atlanta, same thing. Um, yeah. The uh, yeah, it's funny. Uh, now when you throw a convention, uh, a lot of people measure by all right. What's, what's the econ- economic impact? That's the mm-hmm. term they use yeah. on the city that they're in. So uh, they've grown. I I love it though because it, it means I don't get the blank stares anymore. Yeah. I can walk into a building with 
10,000 people who know what I'm talking about. And mm -hmm. not only that, but we can have a really cool discussion about it. Or we can go to a panel with the guy who created the stuff that we're talking about right. and uh, ask them questions directly about uh, about the thing we're talking about. So it's pretty it's pretty amazing what things have grown to. And uh, yeah, I and if you look, they're they're getting bigger. Um, I was at one time afraid that the pandemic was going to be the end of Comic Cons, and I got I got I yeah I I got really bummed out for a second. I was like, wow. What if I never go to a Comic Con again? Like, what a scary thought! And it could have happened, but luckily, not only luckily did that not happen, but um, I mean, uh, they've grown. Um, there's there are multiple conventions every weekend now, and uh, you know, as far as I go, uh, you know, I'm not you know I'm not a Chris Evans or a Chris Hemsworth or any of the Chris's, but uh, you know, I'm getting booked at conventions every weekend. Um, uh, you know, almost until the end of the year, so. Uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, not only is it what it's what I love to do, but I love, I love seeing uh, comic cons in this industry and this type of fun grow and uh, having other people you know may may have not been to a con before get exposed to it. So, um, yeah, I think the health of the industry is pretty good. I, you know, that I mean, long story short, this change has just gotten way bigger, it's gotten mm -hmm. way bigger, yeah. uh, but way more fun too uh, and more accessible for sure. Definitely, exactly. Uh, well, Ming, uh, another question coming from the audience, of course, uh, beauty of conventions, um, a lot of people get exposed to indie comics. Do you read any indie comics? And uh, if yes, what is your current favorite indie <laughs> book? Uh, KR Run 49, great question. Um, so I read a lot of indie books, and uh, this, this is why um, I think – the next best, the next big thing is going to be come from an indie property. We've uh, pretty much all the all the big characters and teams from Marvel, DC, Image, uh, all their rights have been bought up by the movie companies already. So, if you have a favorite character, chances are they're probably working on either a TV series or a movie about them, and um, you know, chances are you already know about them. Um, the next great story is going to come from an independent uh, publisher or author uh, and it's going to come way out of left field and they're going to come up with a comic book character or concept or storyline, uh, which we've never heard from before and uh, is going to take over the world. Uh, I mean, we've kind of seen already, uh, you know, Walking Dead technically was an independent book. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of, uh, yeah, so many independent properties from innovative creators and writers uh, they're going to be the next best thing. So anytime at a convention, uh, you know, they're, they're usually full of booths with indie creators just trying to get the word out on their on their books. And I always make it a point to stop by to give them some encouragement. Uh, yeah. A lot of the times if I can't get out away from my table, they come to me and, uh, you know, God bless them. They're, they're like, hey, this is a book I'm working on. Uh, I would love if you if I could give you a copy, if you would read it and um, tell me what you think. And uh, yeah, one of these people is going to be the next best, uh, the next yeah. big, um, you know, Walking Dead or Paper Girls or Why the Last Man or, mm -hmm. or you know, something like this. Uh, I am currently um, promoting and loving a company called Blue Juice Comics. Uh, they're named after the blue milk from Star Wars. And they have a comic book called The Accelerators. And the uh, it's a time travel story that's and uh, 
their hook is that uh, there is a uh, there is a time travel device called the donut. It's a blue glowing donut shaped object that will send you forward in time, but you can't go back. So it's pretty cool. And uh, in that world, uh, they also run a thing called the time games where they'll, uh, they, they, they can go back and kidnap uh, warriors from different eras and pit them against each other in a gladiator ring. They call it the time games. So oh my God. they'll, uh, you know, they'll grab a uh, world war two soldiers and pit them against, uh, you know, Roman era, Roman era war soldiers or something like that. And uh, that's what they do for entertainment in the future, which is pretty cool. Uh, so the book is called The Accelerators. Uh, pretty, yeah, pretty amazing property and a pretty amazing book. Um, yeah, I'm hoping it gets turned into a TV show or a movie someday. Yes. And Definitely check I, it out. Yeah. The Accelerators, Blue Juice Comics. Blue Juice Comics. Alrighty, yeah. y'all. You heard it here. Check it out. Yeah. I'm interested. I'm, I'm intrigued. Yeah. <laughs> intrigued. I, mean, I, I love that you brought that up because a lot of people don't realize uh, uh, webtoons, a lot of the webtoons that are being created, mm-hmm. which is a version of indie comics in a way, but uh, online, are being turned into shows on Netflix. Netflix is turning these out lately with a lot of those uh uh, and things like that. And so a lot of them are getting really big, like Lord Olympus and things yep. like that. So yep. don't, don't sleep on the independent webtoons, indie comics. <laughs> yeah. A lot of those just started from, uh, you know, some guy in his bedroom on a laptop. Uh, I was like, Oh, I got a good idea. And uh, putting, putting pen to paper and uh, uh, maybe, maybe they drew their own book or maybe they hired an artist and they published it themselves using a site on the internet and uh you know got it out there and got and got somebody's attention so you never know mm-hmm. exactly exactly um looks like an, another one from the audience uh also uh coming from is Ming. what was your favorite comic book growing up uh excellent question uh my favorite comic book and the very first one that i ever got was a Fe- uh, avengers number 214 um on the cover is a is a great is a great cover of Iron Man uh, fighting the Ghost Rider, nice. and uh, yeah, it was a pretty amazing cover. And in the background, you see uh, Captain America and Tigra and Arch- Archangel, kind of watching the fight. You know, um, uh, you know, worried about their friend uh, Iron Man. You know, fighting the uh, the villain the, with the flaming skull, um, the Ghost Rider. Uh, it's the one that pretty much changed my life. Uh, when I was in first grade, one of my classmates had an extra copy and he gave it to me. And it was the first comic I read cover to cover. Uh, it was the first one that I got, the first one I got to keep for myself. And um, yeah, it's tough. Anytime anyone's like, hey, who's your favorite comic book character? I was like, hey, can I just pick a whole team? Right. And I started out, started out reading The Avengers. <laughs> I, loved all the, yeah, I loved all the good guys. So um that uh, yeah, that was my favorite and very first one growing up. I still have it, and uh, it's kind of one that I make a point to buy anytime I see it. So if I'm at a comic book shop uh, outside of my hometown, or you know maybe I see a cool copy at a, at a, uh, a comic book convention, uh, I'll pick it up. Just it's my way of giving back, I guess. So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Team Go- Team Ghost Rider right here. That was yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why I ride motorcycles right now. Maybe not. Oh, I mean, I think that's a pretty big influence right there, my friend. Pretty big. Yeah. 
Oh, I loved it. Love it. Love it. Okay, let's see. I think we have- yeah, that's the one that changed everything. Um, yeah, that that one uh, definitely kickstarted my love of comics and uh, never really looked back. That's awesome. Nice, nice. Uh, which comic con guest did you most want to meet in all the conventions that you've been to? <laughs> I mean, there's so many, right? Um, I think uh, I mean the one that comes to mind. I got to meet a couple times. Uh, Carrie Fisher from Star Wars. Oh, nice. Um, you know, rest <sighs> in peace. The uh, but yeah, I, I I'm and she, uh, I love Carrie Fisher's. Uh, you know, they they would whenever you took a photo with her, she insisted that her dog Gary Fisher was in the photo, and Gary was this big French bulldog with the with his tongue hanging out of his mouth, and um, yeah, I think even uh, I think Gary Fisher became kind of a kind of iconic, uh, especially after Gary, uh, Carrie died. Like he was kind of like the last remaining connection to her so um so much so that for a while uh, gary fisher would show up at comic cons as a featured guest i think you could, i think you pay 10 bucks to take a picture with him and you could get his paw print you know as an autograph and oh. you know, i think he donated a bunch of money to you know animal causes that's very cool which was cool but like any literally anyone from the original star wars universe um those are the people i want to meet and I've been fortunate enough to meet, you know, uh, all the ones that are still alive, I think, for the most part. No Harrison Ford yet, but pretty yeah, much everybody yeah. else I've, I've at least got to meet for a second. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, uh, yeah, that that's that's definitely one. Um, in 2017, uh, Wizard World of Philly threw this huge convention where yes. pretty much all the Avengers showed up. Uh, Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, Tom Hiddleston. Um yeah, probably more. Uh, most of the Back to the Future cast showed up. It was pretty crazy that year, mm-hmm. and uh, I yeah, I I got to meet a lot of them, which was pretty amazing. Thank yeah, that. I was there. That was a, a really good con. Yeah, basically anybody from eighties sci-fi mm-hmm. uh, that, that does conventions, those are the people I want to meet immediately. So, nice, <laughs> nice. But you know, Star Wars is my big fandom. So, yeah. So I gotta ask, like, what's your favorite Star Wars? Star Wars character. Oh, it's a great question. I think like everyone chooses Boba Fett, right? Boba Fett's a pretty cool character. You know, Spawn the Mandalorian um, is iconic, mysterious, awesome. Um, but yeah, lately I've been lamenting that, you know, I, we, we, we never got to really see enough of Darth Maul. Ooh, mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, Darth Maul and, you know, Ray Park who plays him like really great. He does such a great character uh died died way too soon mm-hmm. i feel which you know is one of many things wrong with the phantom menace uh, i know he gets to come back in uh the clone wars and then you know we see him in, in the solo movie and hopefully we see a lot more of him uh, yes. because you know i was like how are they going to top darth vader like i Darth yeah. Vader is one of the most iconic villains yes. in, in history and i think they they either they they matched it, or at least came very close with Darth Maul for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. More Sith, please. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> love um, it, love it. Let's see. It looks uh, from Nick from the audience asked, "How many speakeasies have you found on your con travels?" I mean, so I I travel a lot, my friends. Uh, I go to Comic Cons almost every weekend. Sure and you know i do them because i i love going to i love them i love being in that environment uh to me the comic-con is the best three-day party of any weekend uh mm-hmm. but it also gives me the opportunity to travel 
and explore many cities that I probably wouldn't go to otherwise. And uh, one of the things I found out in, is in most cities, uh, there's usually a hidden bar somewhere, a yeah. speakeasy, like Al Capone, secret handshake, secret passcode, um, you know, uh, a bar sometimes hidden behind another bar, hidden in plain sight somewhere. And uh, for some reason, I'm fascinated with them. Uh, I just think they're cool. You know, I, I think it's a product of a, a, a bygone era. We don't need to hide bars anymore. Prohibition's over. Uh, but the fact that you could go to a really cool bar that nobody else knows about, even the people who live in that town, maybe even the person in the next building over and the, in the, in the next room over doesn't know it's there and and find it and kind of be like, all right, this is kind of our secret. I found a cool <laughs> place. I'm only going to bring people I love here uh, is, to me, a very cool thing. So, uh, I, yeah, I'm trying to find one. Uh, I'm cur- currently in Lansing, Michigan uh for capital city comic-con and uh yeah i've yet to find a hidden bar in lansing michigan but we're we're gonna if there is one here i'm gonna find it (laughs) yeah talk to some of the you know real locals they may be able to guide you to where you need to go (laughs) yeah for sure for sure there's one somewhere here i can i can feel it yes Yes. So Bob just made a comment, which was one of the things that I was going to touch on, is that Ming is the most down-to-earth, personable, friendliest, welcoming guest I've ever met at a con. Thank you. Um, and I can definitely um, agree with that sentiment. So I know you love going to these events to engage with the community. What's one of the most um, memorable moments that you had interacting with the fans and everything? Um, I mean, I think... Yeah. Uh, I, I love that comic book man was pretty much accessible to anyone from the ages of, you know, four to like 90. Like I've met grandmothers. I've met entire families. that watch it together. Uh, I think that's probably my favorite part. I love meeting the little kids who watch it. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I never would have thought that me and my friends making fun of each other in a comic book shop would appeal to children. Uh, but for some reason, you know, they, they love our wackiness, I guess. They love our interactions. And, you know, we, we're, you know we're, we're, we're based in a comic book world and talking about pop culture. So I guess it shouldn't be that much of a surprise. But I, I never thought that, that kids would like it. Um, uh, yeah, I would meet a group of kids. They're like, oh, man, you know, we, we, we would watch the show and then get together in the playground later and talk about it. Oh, that's awesome. I'm like, really? Like, I remember doing that when I was a kid. Like, when the, but yeah. like, we would talk about cool shows like the A Team and Night Rider, <laughs> not like comic book men. Like, I don't think uh, we, me- we measure up to Night Rider or the A Team, but yeah, I guess, you know, by, by those kids telling me that, I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. Um, yes. uh, I've talked to some parents who are like, oh, yeah, yeah, my kid loves the show. We don't let him watch it until he finishes his homework. <laughs> Like, wait, you use comic book men as like a carrot on a stick, but it worked. Mm -hmm. I was like, that's cool, man. Like, that's really, I thought that was, yeah, I think that's really cool for sure. Um, uh, so those are always memorable moments. Uh, I think two memorable moments that come to mind. Um, I did a con in the next time over from one that I grew up in, um, town called Elkhart, Indiana. There's a pretty cool uh convention there called Hall of Heroes Con. I grew up in the next town over. Um, I'm at my table and a guy comes up and I was like, Hey, nice to meet you. What's your name? And it turned out to be my best friend from middle school. <laughs> wow. I hadn't seen in 30 years. So we just lost touch. Cause uh, you know, we didn't have the internet 
Mm-hmm. Uh, there was no Facebook back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I moved away, you know, in, the only way to keep touch was to write letters or make a long distance phone call. And uh, so, you know, we just kind of lost touch. So uh, I met him and his kids and I caught up with them. Um, and, yeah, and it literally been about 30 years since I last saw him. So wow. that was cool. And then that was topped by, I went to my panel afterwards. This guy raises his hand. I'm like, hey, what's your question? He's like, hey, you probably don't remember me, but I was your best friend in grade school. And I'm like, holy crap, I remember you. Like, <laughs> yeah. So that guy, I literally not seen in 40 years. That's awesome. Uh, you know, as I I moved again, I moved around a lot, and you know, we just lost touch because there was no means to, you know, there was no texting back then or yes, no uh, instant messenger or you know, Facebook messenger. So within a span of a day, a day, yeah, I saw my two best friends from childhood, um, yeah. and it was the convention that brought us together. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, nice. that's awesome. Yeah, youngsters, you have it so. So so easy. Now. <laughs> yeah, you have it easy. You you know you your friends can move away and you can just you know you can text, you can Facetime, you yeah, can Zoom. It's like yes. you never left. But uh, that wasn't the case when I was a kid. No, sure was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Love it. Now, um, well, thank you. Bob. Of course. Appreciate it. Yes. Definitely. Looks like uh, someone also asked from the audience, Ming. What is your take on Endor, and are you looking forward to uh, a season two, if anything? Uh, I I loved Andor. I thought, uh, well, uh, well acted. I mean, it was one. Of, a lot of people are complaining about all the Star Wars stuff now. Uh, you know, um, some people didn't like Solo. Some people didn't like the Obi Wan Kenobi show. Um, and uh, I um, Mandalorian third season seen a lot of complaints. Uh, nerds love to complain, uh, but I think Andor is one that everybody kind of like Mandalorian. Everyone kind of agreed that Andor was was uh, was very well done. Um, I mean, I just love seeing heists in the Star Wars universe. So, um, and I, I love that they're able to kind of draw it out into you know the recruiting, the planning, the actual heist, and then the aftermath. So uh, that 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 was cool, and I'm glad they're getting a season two for sure. I yeah, my my take on kind of the Star Wars fandom now. I think people are complaining way too much. I mean, I get, I understand a lot of it. You know, we, we all have uh, very high expectations for the universe and our beloved characters. Um, but for me, I, I just like seeing more Star Wars, like as much Star Wars as, as I can get. Uh, I remember back in 83, 84, after Return of the Jedi, I remember reading an interview with George Lucas. He's like, yeah, well, I, you know, I guess that's it. I, I think I'm done. Um, he was kind of like, eh, I kind of have a loose, had loose plans for a trilogy that came after and before, but eh, I'm probably not going to do them. So, uh, you know, I hope you enjoyed the show. And I was like, wait, no more Star Wars, no more toys, no more like what, what am I going to do with my life? And, um, you know, and since there were no more that he made it public, I think people just kind of, you know, the, the Star Wars love just kind of faded out. You know, if there's nothing to look forward to the fandom not really dies, but, you know, it's diminished for sure. And, uh, you know, they made a, you know, there was the, the, the Ewoks and droids TV shows, but that was, that was pretty much it. And, uh, except, so the people who kept Star Wars alive were guys like me and my friends who would watch it maybe once a month or, you know, once every couple months. And, you know, we, yeah, we, 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 uh, we kept it alive. So for a while I thought there was going to be no more Star Wars, anything, but in my head, I was like, wait, you guys built this huge, awesome world. Like, what about 
like you could do a whole separate thing on Boba Fett. You could like, you know, what about this guy's backstory? What about this? And um, so I'm just happy to see anything right now uh, because up until, you know, between 83 and I guess really the special editions in 97, you know, for 14 years, there was no Star Wars, new Star Wars stuff. So, um, so I feel very lucky that there's anything at all. And uh, I'm pretty, I feel good that there's probably more Star Wars properties and fandom right now than there ever has been. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I really agree with that. Love it, fellow Star Wars fan. I, I like the Mandalorian series. I, I can see like what people are saying about season three, but like you, I'm just like, just just give me the universe, man. Like, yeah. there's, I, you know, I also was, I read some of the books too. So I was like, there's so much in here. Like, it's like a huge playground. Um, so love seeing that they're expanding the universe. My yeah, and, um, yeah, I love that a lot of the Timothy Zahn stuff is back. So we've seen Grand Admiral Thrawn very, very yes. soon in uh, in the Ahsoka series. Yes. And, you know, who knows what else. So that's cool. Yeah. Lots of, lots of good stuff coming coming up for sure. And we got a live action, action Ahsoka played by Rosario Dawson. Right? Like, how cool is that? I love her so much. <laughs> Even if my husband loves her, too. Um. <laughs> He's not alone. Uh, it's all good. No, I really love her. She's, she's very talented. Uh, all righty. Well, I think we hit all of the, the audience questions. Guys, keep, keep them coming. If you got yeah. more, we can, we can answer those. Um, but I think I want to transition a little bit to your podcast and the, the latest thing that you and Mike are doing, yeah. um, a shared universe. Uh, tell us like what got you to start the studio and like, what is your hope and goals for what you guys want to do with it? Um, so a lot of the Genesis is, uh, so podcasting, like I didn't even want to do it when it first came out. Um, I'm more of a behind the scenes guy. You know, I'll run all the technical stuff. I'll press buttons on a mixing board. I'll set up microphones and cameras. And that's pretty much what I did for Kevin when he started out. And, and uh, I, you know, I, I, I thought podcasting was just for people who had training or for famous people or for people with a radio background mm -hmm. uh, and of which I have neither. So I didn't even want to start it, but uh, Kev, he eventually, so Kevin launched his, his shows and uh, eventually he said he wanted to launch a whole network and the network being his shows plus other people's shows mm -hmm. that weren't just his. So, uh, yeah, he asked me and Mike to start one and I didn't even want to do it, but he uh, he really pushed it. And uh, he pretty much explained to me that, like, listen, this is for everybody. You don't need training. You don't need to be famous. You can be a regular person talking about any kind of passion yep. to do this. And um I was like, wait, so I could do a whole show about comic books and Star Wars and food, which which are the three things that I love the most, I think. And he was like, dude, that counts. That's a podcast. You will you will get an audience who loves those those same things. And uh, yeah, he was right. Um, you know, from the moment first moment I got behind a microphone and did it, I got hooked immediately. And I think it was even more fun for me because I didn't go to a radio school. Like you know, I never did it. You know, I never podcasted before. And I found out, I was like, hey, I not only can I do this, I can do this pretty decently and talk about all the stuff that I love. Like, what a cool format. Um, mm -hmm. And get get that episode out worldwide to people worldwide. I was like, that's pretty amazing. So uh, I got immediately hooked. And uh, yeah, you know, we, we started out with one. We would do one show every week. Then we started another show. So we would do two shows a week. And um, 
I yeah, it's one of those things. Just like being a nerd, you know, once you find out about it, you want you want to show other people how much fun it is. Um, so what happened with us is uh, we started the podcast, our podcast. Then we got on Comic Book Men. Uh, then we started going to conventions, and we would go to conventions, and it was cool. We would meet people and like, hey, we we like the TV show. The TV show is really good. But you know what we really love are your podcasts. We love listening to your podcast episodes. And to me, that meant even more because of podcasts. We created ourselves, right? We produce it. We book our own guests. We choose our own direction. Like it's all self-created. And for people to listen to that and really like it, it meant a lot, you know, because it came from our hearts, right? So um, so eventually uh, the people we, we would meet, eventually it would be from it, the questions transitioned into, hey, we really love your show. How do we make our own? We want to do what you guys do. We want to make a show like you guys do. You guys sound like you're having so much fun. You're talking about stuff that we want to talk about. How do we start? And, you know, in a crowded convention floor, I'm like, all right, I can give you 10 minutes to teach you everything I know, which isn't a lot of time. But in 10 minutes, I'll tell you everything I know. And hopefully you get something out of it. Uh, but the we had kind of always joked around like, hey, what if we open up like a classroom or a studio or something? We could teach like a real class and open it up to real to everybody. And uh, eventually uh, around mid-2017, uh, we finally did it. Uh, we rented out some cheap office space. We had all the gear already. And the idea was to not only teach classes, but to rent out the space on an hourly basis um, to people who wanted to record their own shows. So kind of the business model is like, hey, you want to start a podcast? Great. We teach a two-hour class at the studio. So sign up for that. We'll teach you everything we know, all the good stuff. We'll teach you all the mistakes we made, we made so you don't do them either. And then any other questions you have, we will answer them for you because we've been doing this so long. And then the goal after they do that is uh, for them to come back on a weekly basis and record their shows. So it's been going pretty well. It's been going pretty well. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of potential in podcasting for sure. Um, uh, and, uh, we opened up right not a couple years before the pandemic. So, uh, if there was any good thing that came out of the pandemic, it, uh, created a lot of podcasters, a lot of people who thought about doing a podcast finally had all this time where they had nothing to do, but podcast. And, uh, we showed, we showed a lot of them how to do it, which was cool. Um, so yeah, that, uh, yeah, that helped out now, you know, now the goal is to open more studios, you know, to open one up in every city. Um, and I, I also have this weird goal. Actually, it's not that weird, but podcasting is becoming a huge thing at comic cons. Um, if you go to any comic con now, there's at least one podcaster set up at a booth that they purchased themselves. Uh, maybe there's some podcasters going around the convention recording content. Um, but what a lot of cons are doing now are building their own podcast stages and featuring local podcasters all throughout the weekend. And uh, that's something I think should be at every convention. Uh, my ultimate dream is that, uh, you know, every con you have an artist alley, right? You have a whole row of artists. Why is there no podcast alley at a convention? Most of the, a lot of podcasters are geeks. They talk about movies. They talk about comics. Some of them are focused solely on reviewing comic, comic cons even. So uh, I envision a day where there's a podcast alley at every comic con. Um, hopefully we're there to help it out or facilitate it. You know, uh, maybe it's, you know, podcast alley brought to you by a shared, brought to you by a shared universe. Who knows? That's something I'm working toward though. So yeah.
I love that idea. And honestly, if you're listening now, I mean, we'll and you're after the show. I, I'm going <laughs> to connect you to some folks yeah. at the times I work with. Yeah, and honestly, anybody out there was like, "Hey, I've been thinking about starting a podcast, and I like going to Comic Cons." The easiest way to get a free pass at a Comic Con is to write them and tell them you have a podcast. More more often than not, they will give you a press pass for you and your co-hosts for you to attend the con all weekend under a press badge. And it's smart because they know leading up to the con, you're going to tell tell everyone you're going, uh, why you're at the con, you're going to tell everyone you're there. And then afterwards, you're going to record the recap podcast where you tell everybody what you did at the convention that weekend. Uh, it's smart marketing in my eyes. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, and I love that you're, um, you know, teaching people uh, the the good, the bad, the, the, yep. the don'ts and, and all of that. Um, so to give folks just a little bit of a taste of what that might be, what, what is, what would you say is the most important thing to making a successful podcast? <laughs> um, I think the most successful thing is uh, uh, consistency is huge. Um, since this format really has no set schedule and, you know, you dictate how many episodes you want to put out and when and where and how, um, I, that also gives people the freedom to, to kind of put up episodes whenever they want, whenever they feel like it. Uh, however, you know, if you kind of put one up whenever you want and you don't really have a set schedule, it's really hard to keep an audience. Uh, my analogy has always been uh, like Game of Thrones. You know, if you let's, you know, Game of Thrones came on, I think, nine o'clock every Sunday, correct? Back in the day. And they were great episodes. Some of them left off on cliffhangers. And imagine, you know, if you saw a, a really cool episode. And then you went to watch it the next week and HBO was kind of like, hey, so we didn't really like feel like putting out an episode this week. Maybe we'll put one out next week. We're not really sure, but stay tuned. Um, they would have lost their audience pretty quick. So same thing goes in podcasting. You know, think of it as, uh, you know, you're by releasing your episodes, you're putting out, uh, you know, the, the most beloved TV show out there and your audience expects to get a new episode every week. Um, that's how you should be thinking of it. That, uh, you know, your audience is anticipating that episode every week. And, uh, you know, honestly, that's how you grow your audience. Um, uh, you know, you, you get some people and you tell other people, it's like, hey, this show is awesome. They release once a week. Uh, they're, you know, their stuff is gold. You need to listen to them. And uh, that's that's how you grow. Uh, I you know the, the other thing is you got to tell people about it. If you have a show, you can't just sit back and expect people to just find it. Um, it's a pretty crowded world out there. Uh, you got to market. You got to tell people on social media. Uh, you got to tell all your friends and family. You got to tell everybody you, you meet on the street that you have a podcast and that everyone should be listening to it and that it's amazing. And, uh, you know, and you, you release it once a week and it's gold. You know, you really got to talk it up. You got to market it. And, uh, yeah, a lot of people don't do that. It, you know, marketing is another job. Um, you know, being on social media, being telling people, mark, you know, putting up Instagram stories, things like that. It takes time and it takes work, but uh, it pays off. And uh, you know, it's it's part of having a podcast is marketing it, telling people you have it. Um, if you don't have time, you know, get your kid to do it for you, get your brother to do it for you, get somebody out there you trust to to help you market it for sure. And that's uh, and uh, little by little, uh, if you do those things, uh, you you will become uh, somewhat, if not wildly successful. That's great advice um, yes. and kind of riffing off of that one. So, you know, you talked about um, getting other people to help you with the podcast and things like that. 
how do you choose a who to trust to be a part of your team and like what elements of the podcast that you delegate? Uh, that's a great question. Um, a lot of, most people have co-hosts for their shows. Uh, I, I usually have one. Uh, and it's mainly because I, I don't think I could talk to myself straight on for 45 minutes. I'm just not that guy. I need somebody to bounce things off of. I need people to answer questions and ask them. And frankly, I need someone to make fun of too. So, and, you know, typically that person is someone you've known for a while. So uh, I, yeah, I, I feel most people you chose to be your co-host, you've known them for a while. You're good friends with them. Uh, you have a good rapport. You can bounce stuff off each other. You can make fun of each other without the other one getting too mad, uh, you know, things like that. So, uh, yeah, choosing a go if you're going to have a co-host, choosing a good one is key. Uh, that being said, if you're going to choose a co-host, make sure they're as dedicated as you are. Um, a lot of podcasts crumble. Uh, if you look on iTunes, you'll see a lot of podcasts maybe end at episode 10. You're like, hey, what happened? It's like, eh, you know, my co-host wasn't as into it as I was, as much as I was. Uh, my co-host couldn't commit to one hour a week. Uh, my co, you know, my co-host would flake every time his girlfriend needed him or, or whatever. Um, yeah, make sure they're as dedicated as you, if you're going to pick somebody because, uh, it's, um, yeah, you know, otherwise it's not going to work. Um, that's, you know, a co-host is someone that'll be there every week to record, uh, no matter what. And, uh, um, yeah, that, I, yeah, that's very important in terms of consistency and putting out great episodes. Yeah, that's very true. Dana and I can attest to that. We definitely like there's times when she needs a break or I need a break, but somebody needs yeah. to be there, you know. So yep. <laughs> and or, we have a great community popped off <laughs> or traffic. <laughs> something, something. There's always something. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think for us, like part of building, you know, our the like the people that we bring on the show, we've had like a couple folks that have become a part of our community. Yeah. Um, you know, that we work together too so shout out to the agents of geekdom um and a lot of our other shows that we share space with um it is a very um consistency is is absolutely true i i remember when i before i even started the podcast i was trying to look at like metrics like okay you know how long do (laughs) what is the typical norm for like podcasts and i think it's pretty close to what you said like about 10 episodes and then like people disappear. Yeah, you see like a lot of them crumble yeah. after that. And it's like, what happened? It's like, eh, you know, my co-host or whatever. Yeah, drama. A lot of podcast yeah. drama out there for sure. Yeah. No doubt. So yeah. For sure. Definitely. So as um and and on top of that, like um, as Moana said earlier, what parts of the show do you delegate and which parts do you prioritize and oversee yourself? <laughs> I honestly, I, most shows, I think I do most of the work. So, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a technology guy. So I, I set up the gear, uh, yeah, I outline the episodes. Um, yeah, I think it, mo- it pretty much seems to be the theme in life is, uh, where I take on most of the work. Um, sometimes I'll complain about it, but mo- I think I, I like, I, re- I rather prefer it that way. That way, you know, things get done, you know, things, you know, you know things will get done, but uh, I think collaboration is, is is a good is is key as well. Um, most episodes, uh, the way I prepare, I'll just write down a, a list of bullet points of, of things I want to talk about. Nothing crazy, maybe five or six topics that I really want to hit, and then uh, you know um, I you know I'll share that with my co-host for whatever show I'm doing. I'm like, hey, what do you think of these? 
um, you know, start thinking about these because this is what I want to talk about. Do you have anything to add? And most of the times they will. So it's a very collaborative process. And uh, yeah, preparing that way, you know, it doesn't take that long, 15, 20 minutes. And uh, yeah, it's cool. And even if you don't cover everything that you wanted to in that list, save the other ones for next week. You know, you know, no wasted content, right? So, um, but uh, yeah, that's that's how I prepare with my co-hosts for sure. So question from the audience, what is your most memorable podcast wow. guest? Good question. Good question, yeah. Um, you know, of course, I have my famous friends that we, we've been on, on with us. Uh, Kevin Smith has hopped on with us a couple times. Um, very recently, uh, Jeremy London from Mallrats came and uh, jumped in and podcasted with us. Um, yeah, that, that one was pretty good. Yeah, we, I mean, we've had, we've had num- numerous ones. Uh, for any of you, you uh, for any of you kids from the 80s, uh, particularly you, you kids who would maybe sneak your brother or dad's uh, copy of the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Issue, uh, one of our earlier earliest celebrity guests was a a supermodel by the name of Paulina Portskova, if anybody remembers her. Uh, if you've ever watched any of the Cars videos from back in the day, she is featured in many of them, and uh, and she she's got a very big social media presence now. Um, kind of encouraging, you know, she's she's older, but she still looks stunning. But uh, she's kind of fighting any anybody against ageism out there right now of which there are many people so um yeah uh and she's, she's got a pretty good presence out there um yeah it just so happened they were doing a, a they were doing a, a series of ted talks in our in our hometown uh we connected with them we interviewed a lot of their uh, a lot of their uh presenters but they were like hey uh so our big headline is paulina do you want to interview her we're like yeah, can you make it happen? And uh, yeah, all this one day, she's in our studio that we mess. You know, we had to clean up because we had action figures, and <laughs> it was like forty year old virgin. We we put everything in the in the next room. Um, you know, we left some geek stuff out. You know, we didn't hide all of it, but but uh, we were like, you know, not every day you get a supermodel coming to your studio. So that was pretty cool. Oh, that that's awesome. A little bit, keep got to keep a little bit of yourself out there, no matter what yeah. you do, for sure. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. So I like what you were talking about earlier about envisioning like a podcast alley at a comic book convention. What like what advice and tips would you have, or like gear recommendation for folks who are like wanting to do a mobile podcast when you're on the go at conventions, show and events? Because you know, yeah. So like- what's great is uh, you know, when I started out 13 years ago, there we were using gear more aimed toward musicians because there was no podcast gear back then. So, uh, you know, the mixing boards back then were a little older, overly complicated. Um, and for podcasters, not really feature written, uh, you know, we, we were flipping knobs, knobs and dials just to get good uh, vocal recording. And that was it. Uh, now, if you're starting a podcast, you're very lucky because you can go to a guitar center or Best Buy and there's a specific section that says podcast gear on it. Like you can go to Best Buy and pick up specific podcast gear. Um, the recorders are super portable now. So uh, I use ones by a company called Zoom, uh, not the video conferencing software, but uh, the, uh, the the audio gear company called Zoom. Uh, you can find them on zoom.us. Is or, or, Wait, no, that's the other Zoom. Uh, zoomsound.com. Sorry, I screwed that up. I think Zoom Sound is uh, the website for their gear. Uh, you know, we, I, yeah, um, 
uh, big fan of their 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 recorders. Um, they make one called the Podtrack P4, which you know is about this big, size of a couple cigarette packets, and uh, very easy to use, uh, affordable. I think it's under two hundred dollars, and uh, you literally take that and a forty dollars microphone to a convention and start interviewing people. It's battery operated. Uh, yeah, you know you you pretty much hit a record button and you're off and running. So, um, and uh, Zoom actually came off the new product. It's in the shape of a microphone, but it's got a recorder built in. Uh, it's called the the Mic Track M2, which just came out. And uh, you know, full disclosure, they came down. I shot a whole ad with them using it. Going, I went around to a, a farmers market and interviewed people with it, and it was pretty cool. Uh, my intention is to take one of those and, and go to Comic Cons and interview people. So it's literally one device that you hit record, and that's all you have to worry about. But there's so much great gear out there. Uh, if you want to, rec- especially if you want to record at home, but if you want to go mobile and record at a Comic Con, there's there's some very easy to use, very affordable gear out there for sure. Thank you. That was a selfish question. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Always looking to evolve the mobile gear for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. And it's fun. <laughs> it's fun going around to cons, interviewing guests, and then uh, you know people will come. But you know artists, cosplayers, you know like interviewing the people who love going to cons. Yes. Yeah, getting all like all the different perspectives is is really cool. For yeah, sure. and uh, you know one day I'm hoping all the celebrity guests once they see the podcast alley that we build, they're going to want to go over and, and spend five minutes with each of them. Yeah, yeah. Answer a question or two. Yeah. Yeah, and I think they will. If you look, a, a lot of celebrities, especially ones going to co- uh, comic cons, they have their own podcasts. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, they're like, wait, I can start my own show and speak freely, and not have a PR person hanging over me, telling me what I can and can't say. You know, I can finally tell that one story I've been meaning to tell, but maybe it wasn't PC enough for a press junket right. or a TV interview. But now, you know, they can tell the real story. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that is one of the great things about um, conventions and even talking to like your favorite artists, your favorite creators, like they'll share stories that they won't, you know, put on like larger mainstream yeah, um, media sure. because yes. you know, they just can't. So, yeah, it's been fun. All nice. Right. So, Ming, uh, another question is uh, what advice or tips would you give to those wanting to launch their own podcast? Uh, I would, you know, if you have questions about gear or technical questions about how to get it distributed or anything like that, uh, talk to other podcasters. Um, Mm -hmm. As we know now, there are no shortage of podcasters out there. I mean, chances are you probably know one, if not five or 10 or 20. Um, Yeah. Talk to other podcasters. They, we are very open with our information, uh, whether it be gear or technical aspects or how to book guests or whatever. Um, it's a very, very open community. Um, and I think a lot of people who started, uh, you know, they, they're not audio engineers. They didn't go to broadcast school. So they learned everything themselves or they asked a friend or somebody to help them out. So once they got there, they're like, oh, you know, hey, I got this far. I'm going to help other people. And uh, with the goal of, you know, maybe shortening, you know, flattening that learning curve uh, and hoping, helping them out to have a great experience uh, faster than we did. Uh, basically, you know, what we do is just, you know, teach, teach them enough so they don't make the same mistakes we did. So that's probably my biggest advice you know, just, you know, there's so many podcasters out there, uh, start asking questions. Um, you know, 
I, you know, I would, I would take, yeah, I would, I would walk everyone through Amazon if they wanted to, if they want to learn what gear to buy. Uh, you know, I wish I could go to everybody to guitar store or Best Buy. I was like, all right, this one's cool. This one's not, not that easy to use. This one's terrible. Get this one. Like, I would love to do that with people, but I think uh, there are plenty enough people out there that'll help you out like that. Yeah, there's lots of great um, podcasts, like recommendate recommendations from yeah. podcasters. So YouTube's your friend. Um, yeah, I definitely find a lot of information from that. Yeah. Alrighty, so we're we're um, just about at the closing of the hour. So we'll do one last question, Ming, and that is, what would ten-year-old Ming find the most impressive about adult <laughs> Ming's life? Uh, probably that he got to uh, one not only work at a comic book shop later in life, but not only that, but work at a very prominent comic book shop uh, with a guy that makes movies. And uh, I think he would be impressed that uh, Future Ming got to meet Batman from the 1966 TV show, oh. Adam West. And uh, not only that, but got to drag race with him, dress up like Kato and drive the Black Beauty against him. I think that would be, awesome. that would blow 10-year-old Ming Chen's mind for sure. For sure. Uh, the other thing I think would blow, blow his mind is like, hey, um, you know, all this stuff that you love is going to be really cool one day. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, like girls are going to want to talk to you about Star Wars and, you know, Jedi mind tricks and, you know, and ad ads, uh, you know, because when I was 10, that was almost, that didn't exist. So I think, uh, yeah, little me would be impressed, uh, that, um, yeah, that girls are walking out in public in Star Wars gear, shirts, <laughs> cosplay, bikinis or to do two bathing suits like yeah. i think daniel ming was would be like no way man that, <laughs> that'll never happen and it but it did oh, that's awesome yeah i love that uh as a star wars fan myself yes i approve that message yeah mm-hmm. um, and i think just in general you know like love what you love yeah. um you know that's life is short love what you love yeah by the toys yeah by the toys yeah yeah, buy the toys. That's buy the toys. Exactly, because it's gonna be worth something. Yeah. Some of them, you never know. <laughs> Keep them in good condition. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, that's a good way to build wealth for sure. All righty. Well, this was an amazing podcast, Ming. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, I think guys. It's just a great. Um, Great balance of audience engagement. So thank you to everybody who tuned in as well, and for all of your yeah. wonderful questions. Thank you. Uh, to enrich this episode. We absolutely love it. Um, And if you guys loved it too, please hit the share button, like, subscribe to the Agents of Geekdom on Twitch and YouTube. I think we're really close to hitting partners. So um, if you guys can help us get there, that'll be amazing. 40 more. 40 more. 40 more people. So close, so close, so close. So if you can share it around with your friends, um, we definitely appreciate it. Of course, if you still have more questions about podcasting, check out a shareduniverse.com. You can book time with Ming either to learn or to have him come on your show or even like record your show with him in the studio. Yep. Um, if you're in, yep, we can do it like this. You don't, you don't have to be in New Jersey. We can do it like this. We yep. have been doing it like this. It's great. Yeah. So definitely check out what he's doing and we wish him all the best as he continues to expand his little empire of um, podcast studios around the country. Love to see all of your success, Ming. And hopefully, will will you be at Baltimore? 
this year? I'm working on it. Um, we haven't been there since uh, we shot it. We actually shot an episode there in 2016. Or, actually, it might have been earlier, but uh, it's been a while. I think we need to come back. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, if you do, yeah. yes, we'll, we'll definitely. Let me start pulling those strings, and uh, I would love to be there. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, alrighty, everybody. Thank you so much again for tuning into our show. Um, what this is—it's great. We had Ming, Dana, and I were able to be together again, and we had a wonderful audience in the show. So this will be definitely one of yes. our highlights for 2023, I think. Um, and we look forward to everything else that you're doing, Ming. Definitely keep us keep us in the loop. Let us know if we can help. No, oh, yeah, I just um, I hope I see you guys soon. Chances are I will, so I look forward to that for sure. Alrighty, everybody. Dana, any last thoughts before we close out tonight? Uh, not at this time. Um, of course. Um, uh, definitely. Uh, we shared the link. Definitely reach out to Ming. Uh, if you are in the uh, Jersey area and you would like to sign up, for guys, once again, go to a shared universe.com to get your insight and also reach out if you want to schedule like Ming was saying if you're not there to do some virtual classes with him and his team to learn more of all the things if you have a show yourself and then of course look for Ming at a con near you and if he's not on the lineup every con has a way you can send a recommendation of someone you would like to see at the con send his information over uh, so Khan can book him and have him there so you can meet him in person. So, uh, and of course, if you want to see the Moana Nui podcast there, let us know, recommend us. Moana, of course, children book author, me doing my photography, voice acting, and as a show as a whole covering the con also definitely recommend us too. Uh, Cause I know a lot of y'all want to see us, but you gotta recommend us. <laughs> But of course, everybody, thank you so much for joining. Uh, for those that will be at BlurCon next week, I will see you there. I'll be there with um, actor and voice actor um, and singer uh, Alan Z. He'll be helping to cover BlurCon with me uh, and a couple other people. So if you see us, stop us and say hi. Uh, we'll be at BlurCon, uh, like I said, next weekend. So uh, we definitely look forward to seeing anybody from the audience there next weekend. But that's it for me. Alrighty, guys. Thanks again. And hope you guys have a wonderful 4th of July weekend. Have fun. Stay safe. And we will see you guys next time. Aloha. Aloha. So many stories left to tell Even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf If they won't tell it, we will If this the land of the free, it was a freedom then When they annexed Hawaii and called it Seagull Lands Without any type of payment and no signing off Called themselves the Republic in 1894 1.2 million acres overtaken from the native Hawaiians When they resisted, the West retaliated in violence and erasure The Hawaiian language is banned As part of colonialism's plan to expand, yeah Stuck between a rock and a hard place Multiple bombings of Koholave As a part of their ongoing war with Asia Used it as a place for target practice 
No consent or compensation. Colonizers call for annexation. No work out for all the locals. School will never let you know. So many stories left to tell. Even if we have to ourselves. Can't keep history on the shelf. If we won't tell it, we will. Too many stories left to tell. Even if we have to ourselves. Can't keep history on the shelf. If we won't tell it, we will. We will. So if we put Hawaii in a perspective, well, black and Asian history is interconnected. Considering the fight with the Pacific, then of course, versus Asia, they was treated as a middleman for war. But they didn't let the Western colorism run its course. Cause dark skin was a sign of dignity to call. The land was taken in the name of capitalism. When prior to it was an actual kingdom. Clap back at the system. Stuck between a rock and a hard place. Multiple bombings of Koholave. As a part of their ongoing war with Asia. Used it as a place for target practice. No consent or compensation. Colonizers call for annexation. No work out for all the locals, school will never let you know So many stories left to tell, even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf, if we won't tell it we will So many stories left to tell, even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf, if we won't tell it we will So many stories left to tell, even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf, if if he won't tell it, we will Too many stories left to tell Even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf If he won't tell it, we will, we will